0: Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. I'm going to go way back. Uh, and some of you will remember this, at the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. Any Olympic watchers here? Anybody been watching the Olympics? Well, you'll remember this story as I begin to ter- tell it, but Derek Redman had qualified for the semifinals of the 400-meter uh, with the fastest time in his heat in the Barcelona Olympics. And, and he was looking strong. How many know this story? When suddenly he ripped a hamstring and went down on the, tr- on the field. He got back up with anguish in his eyes, and and he began to kind of hobble the rest of the way. And you would have thought he was down and out, but Derek Redmond still crossed the finish line because somebody came out of the stands put an arm under him, and helped him limp to the finish line. And that is the epitome of what I want this series to be about. In fact, here's what I want to do before I go any further. Oh, and by the way, the someone that helped him was his father. Aren't you glad that we have a father that's going to help us when we're down? Whoa, come on now, all right? Come on, let's take a travel back 30 years and watch this scene. And Derek Redmond of Great Britain has pulled up with an injury. Redmond is out. Derek Redmond, the British record holder and an important member of that British 4x400 meter relay team. The British have a certain tradition of running, which you have to respect. Bizarre finish to this first semifinal in the men's 400 meters. Derek Redmond of Great Britain pulled up with an injury halfway down the back stretch. He's fighting off those trying to help him to finish the race in his lane. And now the pain too much. stadium as redmond with assistance this time approaches the finish line he had wanted so desperately to reach it's one of the most emotional scenes in my opinion in sports history because i relate to it i don't think there's a single person in this room that hasn't at one time or another feel like you've failed or you've fallen down or your race has not gone the way that you expected it to go. But this series is to remind us that there's somebody in the stands that wants to come down and help us. Come on, finish the race. Right, everybody? Come on, isn't that good? And, uh, and we all need that somebody. We all need to be connected. We all need to have friends. We all need to have relationships. We all need somebody that will believe in us. We all need a Derek Redmond's dad is what we need. And I got to thinking about this, what, would it, what could it look like if the great Bible heroes, instead of Derek Redmond's dad coming out of the stands, what if that's you? I, I have to believe that there are those in this room that at one time or another, in your walk with God, in this thing that Paul calls our race, while we're running our race, every one of us at one time or another, if you haven't yet live a little longer, Because there's going to come a time when you feel like, can I finish this thing? There's going to come a time when you're running and you feel lonely. You feel left alone. You feel maybe that God has forgotten that you're in the race. You feel empty. You feel like you don't have any more strength. And what would it look like when we're down on the mat if one of the Bible, one of the great Bible heroes could come down and run one lap with us? I've often wondered, what would they whisper in my ear to encourage me? Hebrews chapter number 11, I'm not going to read any of it, but it is filled with what I call the hall of fame of faith. It's the heroes. And if you read Hebrews 11, it is filled with some characters that you would have thought never would have made it into the hall of fame. And then it goes through one after another. It says, by faith, so-and-so did so-and-so, such-and-such. And by faith, and it would name another person. And again, you would be surprised in the list. And then chapter number 11 of Hebrews closes, and chapter number 12 opens, and it opens with these words. Let's look at it together. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. What, what, what Paul's talking about here is that all of the saints that have already run their race, all of the greats that we look to for inspiration and instruction All of them, it's almost like they're in the stands now watching you and I run our race. It says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, the mark of a good person is not the person that starts the race. It's the person that can keep on ticking, come on, that can keep on running. When you have taken all that hell can dish out on you, and what you got in the light, you can't see in the dark anymore, but you just keep on running, everybody. This series is to encourage you to keep on running. Amen, everybody, right? And, and run the race that is marked out for us. God has a race for every one of us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the Perfector. One translation says, the author and the finisher of our faith. You see, in this room... It'd be easy to look around and start comparing and think, man, I wish I had the faith like that person. It'd be easy to read Hebrews 11 and say, man, I wish I had the faith of, an, a, of a Moses or an Abraham or one of those. But, we, but they all have their challenges. Just like you and I, we all have our challenges. Come on, just look at your neighbor. You don't even have to say anything. Go, oh, they got challenges too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we need to be encouraged in these Bible heroes, they come out of the stands, and for the next maybe five, maybe six, maybe seven, I don't know, maybe we'll just go to the end of the year, I have no idea, but I just think if we could pull one hero at a time, and if they could just make one statement, not preach their entire life, but if they could make one statement, what would it be? The first character that I want to have come out of the stands this week is Noah. Anybody remember Noah? Anybody know him? If you don't know Noah, Noah is the guy who built the ark. All right? And I wonder, when Noah comes out of the stands, maybe you're feeling like Derek Redmond. Maybe maybe you don't have the energy. Maybe you don't have the faith. Maybe you don't have the courage. Maybe you don't have the relationships to keep on going. Maybe you're here and you feel like your life is not really mattering and and God doesn't really notice you, but I want to have Noah come out of the stands and I want him to run a race with us today. I want him to do a lap with us today. I I don't know, I, I struggle with Noah because there's a lot of things I think he could say to us. Like he could come out of the stands and he could say something like, don't miss the boat. How many know that'd be good advice, right? he could come out of the stands and say, hey, make sure you plan ahead. And he could say that with authority because he planned ahead. 120 years building the ark before a raindrop ever fell on the earth. Come on. How many know that's planning ahead? How many know you could learn something from that message alone, right? <laughs> Somebody in here can. I, and, and besides that, I kind of thought what I would like to say to him. I thought, you know, if Noah did come down and he helped me around the racetrack, I would ask him a question or two. Like, the first question I'd ask him is, why did you allow two mosquitoes to get on the ark? How many know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, and I was trying to hike Friday, and man, they were swarming around me. Uh, I, I, but here's what, in all seriousness, here's the lesson or the word that I believe Noah would bring out of the stands to us running our race. I think he would say to us that, one man can make a difference. And, and this is not gender specific, all right, ladies? One man, one woman, one person can make a difference. I, I think that would be his overriding message. And I want you to lean into this. Maybe he would say that. Maybe he would say, or you can make a difference in your family, You might not have come from a good family, but you can break a generational curse. Come on. And you can make a difference in your family. You can make a difference in the future generation. You can make a difference no matter what your age is. If you're 16 or 86, you can still make a difference. After all, Noah was 600 when he started building the ark. Come on now. And uh, it's easy to look around in life and see others. And I don't know if you ever do this. I'm sure you don't, but you know somebody that does. It's easy to look around at others and see, man, their, their faith, their walk with God, they're accomplishing things. They seem to be accomplishing so much. And it would be easy to compare and think, man, my life is really not adding up. My life is not really that significant It'd be easy for pastors to say, Well, my church isn't that big that we can make a difference in our community. What's the use? All I do is, and you could just hear the blanks being filled in. All I do is raise kids. Come on, mamas. All I do is punch a time card. All I do is, and the moment that we begin to think what we do is insignificant, we fail to realize you're the ones that need Noah to come run alongside of you and say that one person can make a difference. Right, everyone? Everybody in here can make a difference. Um, Matter of fact, even in the church, we've been talking to you about things in the church. It's why I want you to come to Next Steps. There is ministry all over the place just waiting to happen right now. Uh, There's expansion in the church. You know what the Lord downloaded on me not long ago? That this church can reach as many people as we want if more than one person believes that we can do it. Ah, uh, See, see, that that's what exactly. Come on. I said as long as more than one person believes there are still more people that need to know the love and the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Come on. As long as we hear Noah saying you can make a difference in the kingdom of God and you can be a part of something that is bigger than yourself, you can be a part of something bigger than punching a time card and paying bills. Come on, somebody. You can do something that has eternal value. We got a bus sitting out there. It went out yesterday, and it did all kind of things in our community, but it's sitting there on Sunday. Why don't somebody get in that bus and go to our shut-ins and bring them into church because they can't get here? What if somebody would get in that bus and go to our... We have a, a bunch of ladies right now that used to come, but they can't drive. They live in a in a rehab home. What if somebody would get in that bus and just drive down there and bus in those six, seven, eight ladies back to church? What if if somebody would get in the bus and go down to our less fortunate neighborhoods and bring in, God forgive me for saying this, bring more kids into our already overcrowded children's ministry, Janessa's <laughs> going to start throwing things at me here. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the moment that we think, oh, I, I don't have the spotlight, then we disqualify ourselves from all the little things that we can do to make a huge difference in the kingdom of God. Amen. Look at the story of Noah. Let's find it in Genesis chapter number 6. Here's what it says. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. And that every inclination uh, of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. (laughs) That doesn't sound like a lot different than our world, does it? It goes on, says the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth. And his heart was filled with with pain it goes on and it says so the Lord said I will wipe out mankind whom I have created I know that's some bizarre stuff but from the face of the earth men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air for I am grieved that I have made them but look at verse number eight but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord I don't know how you live your life, but I want to find favor in the eyes of the Lord. I want to be caught doing something that blesses the heart of our Father. Can I get an amen on that? You see, the world is struggling and and people have given up on church and, and there's all kind of problems all over. There's poverty, there's homelessness, there's human trafficking, believe it or not, happening right here in our little tulip town called Mount Vernon. There's all kind of crazy things going on, but I want you to know that one person can make a difference. One Valerie can stand up and say, you know what, I'm gonna go minister to the homeless and it become something huge. I'm telling you right now, mark it down on this date. Those small beginnings one day will turn into a, not only a shelter, but a discipleship place called a dream center. All because one somebody that didn't feel significant said, I can make a difference. I can't do everything, but I can put socks on somebody. I can't do everything, but I can put a pair of shoes on somebody. I can't do everything. But but I can give him a sleeping bag. Come on, everybody! One man can make a difference. Are you guys with me today? Uh, and and watch somebody like a Mark who's on vacation. How dare he be on vacation today? Uh, Watch him say, I can connect people. I'm a good connector with people. And I like coffee. And I can sit in coffee shops all day and just connect people and launch life groups and give people a way to connect and build friendships. I can get men together and, and take them fishing and hunting. Here's why. Because one person can make a difference. Watch Rochelle step up and say, you know what, we're in a transition. I'll go back there and I'll work with our kids and I'll tell them about Jesus. Watch Rochelle Ferris say, hey, I lost my job during the pandemic, so I'm going to use my time to glorify God. Watch her in just a couple weeks take 15 people from our church down to Short Creek to minister to women and children that have lost the hope of our Lord and Savior and maybe they'll be a part of the answer. Why? Because one person can make it. difference everybody yes so the question is then how can I make a difference let me give you a couple of thoughts this is what I think Noah would say so if you have issues with it don't blame it on me tell Noah off all right here we go one but how do I make a difference Uh, I think number one is you start with your family See, I think sometimes we're so concerned about trying to do something big on a big stage that we miss the little stage, the little platform that God has given every single one of us. It happened in Noah's life in Genesis 7, verse number 1. Here's what it says. It says that the Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark. Watch this. You and your whole family. But Noah was the catalyst. Noah was the person that all the blessings were going to flow down upon. Because of who he was, his family was going to be blessed. Ah. Now, I would really like to spend some time talking about Noah's background and how he got to the place that he was. But what I really want you to see is that he realized that I can make a difference. And if I don't make a difference to change the world, I can change my world. Mm -hmm. He, He said, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous. Grandmas and grandpas, there's blessings that can come through you. Moms and dads, there's blessings that can come on the future generation through you. Come on, you were clapping a while ago. We were singing, may his favor be upon you and your children and their children and their children. And it only takes one person to be the catalyst to stand up and break a generational curse. Amen, everybody? Come on now. You got to do a little bit. I'm up here sweating, and the hand clap is not for me. But come on, everybody! Acts chapter number sixteen, verse number thirty-one says it this way. You've probably quoted this. They reply, "Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you, uh, and you will be saved. You and your household." Now, oftentimes we misunderstand that. One one translation, instead of saying "your household," it says "you and your family." The original text uh, describes the word family in the Greek, Greek as oikios, uh oikios. and here's what it means. So if you think it's just your biological family, that verse tells us that we all have a web of influence. This word "oikeus" it, it really means your sphere of influence, the people you hang out with, the people in your neighborhood, the people on your job, the people in your life group. Come on. That that, that that we could be saved and perhaps we could impact and influence our sphere of influence, our, our circle. Wait a minute. Doesn't that sound something like familiar? See, that's what's called your radius. Every one of us have a radius. And as long as we'll keep the R in the radius open, and as long as we'll keep the circle open, and we'll... Quit kicking people out that don't look like, talk like, act like, believe like we do. And we can keep loving them and keeping them in the circle. Then you might be able to make a difference in our generation. Come on now. (laughs) Psalms chapter number 115 verse number 14 is a verse that Patty and I prayed over our kids for years. Particularly when they were teenagers. It says, may the Lord make you increase both you and and your children. In other words, Lord, let your favor continue through me to the next generation. As I stand righteous, God, let that blessing flow through me onto the next generation and the next generation. Come on. I'm going to say something that sounds arrogant, but maybe it'll get your attention. My kids are blessed because of me and Patty. That's right. Now think about it. If you grew up in a bad home, you'll get it. And if you grew up in a good home, you ought to be getting it. Come on. Because you get certain blessings that other people don't get. And if you grew up in a bad home, maybe abused or maybe with an alcoholic uh, father or mother or whatever it is, you understand man, I wished I could have started a little farther along than I did. And we can't cry over the past but we can start today and make a brand new ending and the generations after us can be blessed. And if your childbirthing (laughs) years are over and you say that's a passion of mine, you can go work in children's ministry, and you can powerfully impact these kids that need somebody to partner with mom and dad, that tell them God is great, and he is greater than what's happening in our world. Can I please get an amen on that? Yeah. Now listen, the blessing comes with responsibility. I say that and it can sound arrogant. Yes, my kids are blessed because of Patty and I. Because there are doors that we closed. And there are generational curses that we chose to break. And there are things that we worked hard to say no to that they would never see happen in our house. They would never hear in our house. Come on, everybody. you got to fight those battles. I didn't come from a good family like some that are in this room. I got saved, most of you know, I got saved because of a bus that came and picked me up. Brought me to church. I was six years old. My mom was 15 when she married my dad. My dad was an outlaw biker. My mom was a barmaid. When she was 16, she had me. Four years later, they were divorced, and me and my mama were on our own. How many of you can fill in the blanks between that story? When I was 11 years old, I'd been going to church all these years by myself. My mom had contemplating ending end in her life. And I don't know how close she was. I don't know exactly. She was behind a door with the door closed with pills and a gun. And I don't know what was going on. I didn't know it at the time, but the doorbell rang of the church where I was going. Because somebody said, we can make a difference. We can't solve all their problems, but we can bring them groceries. And they brought us groceries. We can't solve all their problems, but we can bring them Christmas gifts. And they brought us Christmas gifts. We can't answer every question, but what we can't do should never stop us from what we can do. And if you look around this room, there's a whole lot of people with a whole lot of gifts that if everybody would say one of us can make a difference, imagine if one of us can send the demons fleeing. The Bible says then two of us can send the legions fleeing. Come on, what could we do if we all said let's make a difference? Amen, everybody. My mom got saved when I was 11 years old. And after 45 years of praying for my dad, eight months before he went to be with Jesus, I knelt down with him on his front porch, 30 degrees outside, and prayed the sinner's prayer. And he asked Jesus into his life. Why? Because one man, one person, can make a difference. One person made a difference in my life and helped me break curses. And and now, come on, let the ripple effect go. Continue, everybody. And do you know, come on, I just got to share this. See, you can break what the devil meant for bad if you put it in the hands of God. God wants to use your story. We sang the song today, My Testimony. God wants to take the nasties you've been through and leverage them to help others get through the same things. You know, we've had four people within the last 18 months in our church that were divorced, that remarried the person they divorced. Come on, that's restoration right there, everybody. That's a miracle right there. Come on now, right? How can I make a difference? Number two is be concerned uh, for your generation. In other words, be concerned with the generation you're living in. Stop talking about the good old days. Maybe the good old days are right now. And maybe if we'd quit looking backwards at the good old days and live in the day, mm-hmm, let's, let's make a difference with our family, and let's be concerned with the generation. God allowed us to be born during this time. And let me just say something to the gray-haired people in the room. We've got to stop being critical of the generation behind us, and the young people in the room, you've got to stop being critical of the generation ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's so many people putting down the millennials. Yeah, but the millennials, they they don't mind spending money. That's good because the kingdom of God needs some money. Hello? (laughs) Come on, everybody. See, we cannot throw stones and love at the same time. And I think it's our responsibility to reach this generation. Otherwise, we wouldn't be living right now. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, that's partly why we do church the way we do church. Everything that we do in this church isn't my cup of tea either. You see gray on my face? Yeah, I'd like a hymn here and there also. But it's not about me. The Bible says let those that are more mature in faith give way to those that are less mature in faith. You know the most unchurched group in America is 35-year-old men. You know the biggest group that our church is reaching is 35-year-old men. Come on, everybody. Right? Here's an interesting thought. This is the best way I know how to do the illustration. I keep my notes up there because then I don't have to wear my glasses because I'm farsighted. All right? Some of you didn't know that. You just thought I had a great memory. No, I don't. All right? And, and, and I'm farsighted. And isn't that an interesting diagnosis? You're farsighted. It's the only diagnosis that they give you the opposite wording of what you are. In other words, I can't see close, but I can see far. So you're farsighted. It's like your arm is broke. All right, you're leg worthy. Or I don't know. I mean, it's just like weird, all right? So, But I want you to see this. This is what farsighted is. is, So if I'm trying to look at my notes here, I can't see them. But if I can look at them over there, I can see them. This is an illustration. Any farsighted people in the room? You understand what I'm saying? All right. Here's what I wanted to get to. Let's be farsighted Christians. Okay, I'm going to let that simmer. <laughs> let's be farsighted Christians. In other words, let's forget what's up close. Let's forget me. And let's have a vision for that them that are far Amen. from Christ. Amen, everybody? Come on. Acts chapter 13, verse number 36 says it this way. It says this, For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. In other words, when he was done serving the generation and the purpose of his life, that's when God took him on to heaven. If you're st- We sang it today. If I'm, not de- if I'm not dead, you're not done. You're here to serve this generation. The first part of my life, I started off and I wanted success so bad. See, I was nearsighted. I wanted it to be all about me and this next i hope second half of my life i don't want success i want significance because that's all about others success is all about me but significance is all about others how can we serve our world i want you to personally think about that how how can you serve this world How can you serve this city? How can you change or serve this generation? How can you serve this church? How can you serve your God? How can you serve your family? How can you serve your parents? How can you serve your spouse? How can you... Come on, everybody, right? all right. I can't change the world. I don't have a world platform. But maybe I could change my world. That's why we're doing men's discipleships, because that's my radius. Come on, everybody. That's why we have life group opportunities, by finding a need and filling it and finding a hurt and healing it. Come on, a shameless plug. Come on to next steps, all right? Number three, how can I make a difference in my world? Number three is help row the boat. (laughs) Don't just ride in the boat. Now, I would never say this, but the people rowing the boat might occasionally look at those that are just riding in the boat and say, I'm tired of rowing. I wish you'd do something too. Now, nobody's going to amen on that, but I hear your (laughs) secret. Yeah, I I, I see you, right? Uh Uh-huh. It it would be amazing. Here's what would be amazing. It would be amazing if every born-again, blood-bought Christian would say, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. It would be amazing. Now, I understand there's injuries, there's hurts, there's distrust, there's all that, and there's time for every player to sit on the bench for a season. But there's also a time to get that jersey back on and get back in the game. Am I right about it, everybody? What if every Christian, what if every Christian, hmm, should I say it? Yeah, I will. What if every Christian gave at least 10% of their income like the Bible talks about? What if every Christian gave some of their time? What if every Christian gave some of their talent? Second Chronicles says the eyes of the Lord are searching for those that will serve Him. Wow, right? Noah is saying, look guys, my world looks a lot like yours looks, but you can make a difference. How can I make a difference? Number four. Number four is be willing to do what others won't. Be willing to do what others won't. Okay, I'll drive a bus. Okay, I'll go give a sleeping bag. Okay, I'll be a part of the solution. Okay, instead of driving through Mount Vernon and complaining about homeless people wandering around, I wonder how can we do something to help be a part of the solution. Think about this. Be willing to do what others won't. See, we didn't come to this town to copy and do what every other church in this uh, neighborhood was doing. They're doing a great thing. I thought, what if we could come to town and fill a need that no other church is filling? Or at least fill it in a different way than others are doing it. Hello, anybody? Think about this. Noah is the one saying this to us. So Noah is building a boat, and it has never rained. It's never rained, but he's building a boat. He's not building a canoe, everybody. He is building a significant luxury cruise liner. You know, I mean, <laughs> 120 years of building. I'm, I'm talking, all right? And and so for, uh, and, and that's what we did. Four and a half years ago, we came in here and we said, well, you know what, we're going to build an ark. It's going to be called the SS Radius, you know? And, and, and what I'm trying to say to you is it's time to build. It's time to take the talent Listen, if there's something that gets on your nerves that is not happening in the church, the chances are that means that's where your gifting and your anointing is. Well, I'm just so frustrated that they don't have a class on. You know, we have people that will leave the church because we don't have a life group on such and such. Well, maybe that means you ought to host it. Maybe the fact that it bugs you, if you walk in here and there's chairs out of alignment, come on, and it bugs you like it does me, start straightening chairs. Uh, put on a badge and say, I'm the captain of the chair straightening ministry. <laughs> Hello, somebody. If it bugs you, then that maybe Listen, if you walk in here and just walk over garbage, your ministry is not helped. So I'm just telling you right now, all right? <laughs> but if it bugs you, if something bothers you, then maybe that's where God has gifted you because He gave you eyes to see what somebody else does not see. Come on, everybody, right? Listen, I know the ark can be a tricky place to be. Am I right about it? Could you imagine being on that ark? I mean, I've talked about this before, but for those who've never heard this, on the ark, there's two kinds of every animals. So you got mice, right? And mice, they don't make a lot of noise. And mice, they don't really make a lot of mess comparatively but over on the other side of the ark you got elephants and elephants they take up a lot of room I'm not talking about just physical you know elephants come in with their big old ego and their big old footprint and their big old voice and everybody's got to see them and they make big old messes And there's animals on there that make no sounds, and there's animals on there like lions that make all kind of sounds. And could you imagine, after 40 days of being on that ark, I think after two days of being on the ark, there's some smell going on in the ark. Now, we read this children's story to our kids, and we never talk about the smell that's in the ark. Come on, everybody. And they didn't have room deodorizers in those days. I mean, come on. It's smelling like a worse than a barn because there's no ventilation happening, all right? You get the picture? So there's big animals. There's small animals. There's loud animals. There's quiet animals. And they're all a bunch of messy animals. But it's a whole lot better than the alternative of not being on the ark. And I want to say to you that if you're looking for the right church to get involved in, if you're looking for the perfect Perfect church to get involved in. Let me go ahead and clarify. We got some big messes in this ark, and we got some little messes on this ark, and we got some people with big voices, and we got some people with little voices. And when we get together and we do our life groups and we do our church services, sometimes it gets a little stinky. How many know what I'm talking about? But it's a whole lot better. See, if you're looking for a church, I don't go to church because of all those hypocrites. Really? I mean, could you imagine Peter and John and all them falling out with Jesus just because of Judas? Oh, I ain't following Jesus anymore. Look who he picked to follow him. Huh? Come on, everybody. You can make a difference on this ark. Right, everybody? This message is for all those who wonder if your life really matters. But I want to encourage you. No, better yet, Noah wants to encourage you. Don't be afraid to stand out. Could you imagine how much he stood out? You you can't hide an ark, right? Don't be afraid to stand out. Can I tell you, sometimes just showing up makes a huge difference. You have no idea, but some of you just by showing up builds my faith. I had a sweet conversation just a few minutes ago right before I walked on the platform that built my faith up so much. Because sometimes the miracle is in just showing up. I don't know why I'm here. Can I serve anywhere? Sometimes the, I, I've told this story before, but on National Day of Prayer a few years ago, as on the uh, Bill Bright, who probably led more people to Christ than anybody outside of Billy Graham in our modern history. I flew down to Orlando to his home to uh, on the National Day of Prayer to be with him and six other pastors in his home to have communion together and just pray for our nation. Well, I I really didn't have the time to go all the way to Orlando just to have an hour-long prayer meeting and get on an airplane and fly back home. But I decided, I felt God put it in my heart, just show up because I'm going to put you in a room with other guys that you need. And so I just showed up. I I didn't have any role at all. And we were getting ready to break communion sitting around his kitchen table. The phone rang. He hit speaker phone, answered it, and said, hello. And on the other end of the phone, said, hello, Dr. Bill Bright, this is George Bush. He was a president of the United States, and he said, I'd be honored if you and your men would right now pray for me as I try to lead this nation. Man, I sat in that room, and I could barely pray because I realized I don't have any significant role here. I'm nobody on the scale and the scope of life. But I sat right there, and I started thinking that maybe part of my prayer Maybe part of us six guys gathered together. maybe our faith. Maybe I have no idea, maybe what decisions could have been made just because of a prayer that we join together and make. Here's why. Because you're not insignificant, every one of you can make a difference. Amen, everybody. Come on now. <clears throat> Let me give you one last one, and I'm all done. How can I make a difference? <laughs> Real easy. Pick up a hammer start. I put these little hammers on your seat today, and I want you to take them. They're little keychains. They got our little logo on them. Don't open them now. You're disturbing my message, all right? <laughs> but I want you to keep it on your keychain, because I, I, I never want you to forget the words of Noah saying, you can make a difference. You never know what kids you're going to hold in the children's ministry. You never know who came in here broken, and you're going to hand them a cup of coffee. You never know who's frustrated and looking for a reason not to show up, but you greeted them in the parking lot. And even if you don't wear a lanyard, you never know how your smile, the way you worship God, the way you, amen the pastor, the way you let your faith arise. Uh, That was a little ridiculous, but it was fine. All right. (laughs) It's okay, everybody. All right. And uh, 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 just don't be afraid to pick up the hammer and start. Not next month, not next year, not when you get through this season of your life. Come on, what would it look like? I've often said this. Across America, we have 20%, 25% of those that call themselves Christians across America that even contribute one penny to the work of God. 25%. What if everybody say, we could pick up hammer and start right now? What if we could just get that to 50%? What more impact? Listen, the church in America is feeding, is sheltering, is helping a lot of people. But how many know the world's dark and we need to help a whole lot more? Am I right about that? Yeah. And uh, because here's what I know. If you're busy building the boat, you won't have time to rock the boat. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start letting be our theme song. Don't rock the boat. Woo. Don't rock the boat, baby. Come on. You got to be a certain age, I guess. All right. And by the way, just let me say, you know, last week one of my overseers was here, Glenn, and he was talking about all the problems pastors are having, all the problems churches are having. And, and, and I, I told him before, I told him in between, and I told him after. I said, I don't identify because I'm healthy and i got the greatest church in the world. And if there's any problems out here, we just shoot them and send them to heaven. Come on now, everybody. Right? <laughs> see, see, the chances are God will ask you to do something very unusual. And it might not make sense. But you have to be more concerned with obeying God than looking foolish. Let me give you a couple closing thoughts. Um, When I came here to plant this church, I was very worried I was going to look foolish. Because I'd been in this town before. And I had stood up in front of a congregation and said, I'm leaving because God called me. (laughs) Four years later, it's like, Uh, God messed up I mean what are you supposed to say you know but I was more interested in obeying God and being right in the middle of his will even if it cost me looking foolish to some and I'm grateful I'm grateful Radius you have been the greatest blessing in my entire ministry life for 35 years and I think that's what I want you to experience if you'll be willing to step out. And you already know what it is. It's the thing you wrestle with when no one's talking to you, when you can't sleep at night, when you hear a message like this. It's that same old thing. You already know. It's hard. It's the Holy Spirit already saying, you know what you should do? You should. And if you don't know what that is, you at least know I should do something. Right? Hebrews 11.7 says this. By faith, no, when warned about things not yet seen. In holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heirs of the righteousness that comes by faith. You see, difference makers, they're different. Who's going to be different? Who's going to be different? Take that hammer. Keep it close to you. And just remember, one man can make a difference. Would you receive that, everybody? I'm gonna end right there.